Hey there, and welcome to The Post, a Redemption Church podcast. I'm your host for today, J.P. Gaylord. We've got a great show for you today. We'll be touching on questions in Genesis, looking for answers in Genesis. We're joined today by quite a few people. We've got Charles Kirby. Hey, everybody. Danny Turner. What's up, Redemption? Josh Toby. How's it going? Justin Kemmer. Go Bills. <laughs> Go Bills. And Steve Bush. What's up? Steve, it's been a while since you've been on the podcast. What have you been up to? Working on The Voice? I have been working on The Voice, developing my NPR radio smooth sounds with Steve Bush. <laughs> Is that the new podcast spinoff we're doing starting today? <laughs> I think so, yeah. Awesome. Smooth sounds with uh, Steve Bush. Playing all those great 80s Christian hits. <laughs> well, you guys, this summer when I was on sabbatical, you guys talked about the lo-fi playlist. And ever since I've listened to that, it makes me want to talk like this. Just like smooth lo-fi jams. What if you led worship like that? People might fall asleep or be really <laughs> creeped out and leave. Awesome. Well, we have a very special announcement. It has been almost... Within a few days, I think this is the closest episode to it, one year of doing the podcast. That is very exciting. We did not know how far this was going to go. We just kind of did it as an experiment to see if people listened. And Bill Boss, thank you for listening. (laughs) That's right. Yeah, this was your brainchild, man. This this was your idea a year ago. Yeah, I just thought it would be fun to get together, have some conversations, and see if other people were interested in listening, listening to us jabber on. And clearly they were. I think we really hit something. Was it? Yep, it was episode two when we got into questions about the Curter Burger. Uh, oh, wow. And yes. wow, that's a that's a flashback. That is a flashback. That means that day's coming up again. We can all go enjoy that burger together. Is this the thing that he still promised from Culver's or something that you didn't follow I up with? No, he did promise me something from Culver's that never followed up on it. And when I brought it back up, he gave some excuse as to why it didn't actually qualify. Maybe that's a question from Genesis of following God's pattern. Like God said he would do something and it happened. Maybe we should follow that example. And it was good. Yeah. And it was good. Yep. The world's pattern, or should I say Josh's pattern. <laughs> oh, this is good. I like this episode already. But that burger could be out again soon if they do it again. I don't want the burgers from Culver's. Wow. <laughs> oh, wow. Yikes. All right. Well, we uh, can go by the cheese curd patty, take it to Freddy's, put it on the burger. Oh. Switch to there. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so, Curter Burger may or may not be coming up soon. We will work on getting confirmation for you, uh, and we will have Steve Bush deliver that news in his N- NPR voice. Awesome. So. Uh, but yeah, a year of podcasting. This is, I think, our 33rd episode. Uh, yes, it is our 33rd episode. Uh, I was going to ask if you guys can guess how many people have listened to the podcast or how many times the podcast has been listened to over the past year. But I heard the answer, so I cannot, I can't guess. I think everybody's heard the answer, actually, because oh. I'm pretty excited about it. Well, say it, man. It is 1,500 episodes or 1,500 total plays, which I think is beyond what I would have expected a year ago. It's great. But again, thank you to all of our faithful listeners uh, and even the ones who only listen to an episode or two. Thank you as well. 
we are averaging 38 plays per episode, which means on average each week, 38 people are listening to hopefully edifying things uh, that we're, we're able to share from God's word or from the life of the church. So very exciting. Well, in honor of our one-year anniversary, we went back and looked at the most popular episodes, and sorry, Steve's making some weird faces over here, but I think we're good. We're good. We're good. Uh, one of the most popular episodes was one where we played Would You Rather, so we are going to revive the Would You Rather game, and uh, party style, we are going to play Would You Rather. All right. You guys Ready. Ready. I'm opening my top secret would you rather sheet. We're starting off strong. The first question is would you rather go without shampoo for the rest of your life or toothpaste for the rest of your life? I'm going to go shampoo. Yeah. I feel like one would be that would be significantly l less offensive to people than lack of toothpaste. I'm going to go with that too because you could always shave your head and you have to speak to people and they don't want to die True. when you talk to them. I'm going to agree with these guys so far. Um, if you have long curly hair, you don't use shampoo basically ever anyway. So is that I'm, a, I'm already kind of there. Is that a confession from Danny? Uh, it is. <laughs> I do clean my hair about once a month with shampoo. Are Other you serious that, right now? Yeah, dude. That's how you get like the natural yep. oils and stuff yeah, going? Yeah, shampoo every day fries your hair. Wow. So... Yeah. Is that why Charles accused me of having a comb over earlier? Wow. That could be. <laughs> Let's talk about your shampooing, shall we? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Justin, Josh, care to weigh in? Um, I'll go with the consensus of no shampoo. I don't like this one at all because <laughs> both of them are about being clean, and that's a big deal to me. So you do take an average of four point three showers a day. <laughs> What's Justin phrases he uses to not answer stuff all the time? Uh, something substantial. Uh, uh, yeah. You vote. <laughs> okay, when you vote, sorry. All right, I guess I would choose to not wash my hair. Okay, I would agree with everybody else. All right. I was kind of thinking originally, like no toothpaste, which I'll admit is gross, but. On Survivor, they use like little twigs and stuff to clean their teeth. Mm. I don't know how much it does for your breath, but anyway. They also have incentive of large amounts of money. That is true. That was not part of your would you rather question. <laughs> that is very true. I think true. they use coconut too. You know, that's that can be a cleaner. Yes. Oh, yeah. Coal? Is that? Well, What's the black stuff I've charcoal. seen? Charcoal. Yeah, I mean, yeah, charcoal. Some toothpaste out there with charcoal in it. I would grind it first before there's you just shove uh, charcoal in your mouth. There's mind. wisdom there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on to the second question. Would you rather have a time machine or a teleporter? Mm. Who wants to kick this one off? Wow. I think I'd rather go back in time and live through some specific moments that we know about in the history of our world. Do you have one that comes to mind? That's not the question. The question was... There's lots of things, even in, like, in our country, it would have been pretty unique to see, or even in the Bible, that would be pretty unique to see and have been able to live through. I wouldn't pick certain things to live through, but... 
There's some unique things. Did you think of a comeback to asparagus guy after the fact that you want to go back and give to him when he tells <laughs> that you that all you need is asparagus? That would be good. If you're missing the reference, go back and listen to Sunday's message. I would go teleporter. Teleporter? I mean, time machine would be awesome, but I think what would be more awesome at this stage of my life is to join hands with my family and Mary Poppins it to some other part of the world. Yeah. Where would you go? Um, I don't know, Europe, Fiji. Mm. Fiji's good. One of those huts in the middle of blue water with nothing around. Flint, Gary, Indiana. Per, it, well, those would be first. Sorry, Fiji would be third or fourth. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Yikes. Danny, Charles, come on. Oh, yeah, I'd go got? teleporter because with a seven-month-old baby and just life is crazy, I would love to be in multiple places or have the ability to just transport teleport into different places. In All right. Yeah. That's valid. Dude, I would say the time machine because truth be known, you have a teleporter in a time machine because you're teleporting into time and you could go to the future. So if you're seven month old, you want them older, you could just go to the future and then they're older, then bring them back to this so time. Weird. If you're going to Fiji, you could just go when people are not there in your time machine and then you can enjoy it all to yourself. Like there's so many benefits to a time machine. I love it. So yeah. True. So because of the versatility, yeah. Of the time machine, I'll go time machine. Done. Well, hang on. You're assuming that the time machine also has teleportation abilities. Well, yes. I, I'm, a, I'm assuming. Well, it, what if you just te- uh, uh, time travel to the exact same spot, but like 20 years I see what prior. you're saying. So oh, I you're have back to, to the future. Like if I might, I might be in a mall parking lot. <laughs> But when I go back in time, I'm in that same location, but it's an open field being chased by Indians. Uh, well, that's a good point. Because then if you go back to the time of Jesus, you have to run into all of America before any civilization. Across the ocean. So you we're, can't even get to Jesus. We're going to need some clarification. <laughs> yeah, JP. come on. Yeah, I'm sorry. So off the rails. Time machine, <laughs> just a time change, and you're still in the same location? Because you said go back in history. Yeah. Are we talking about time versus location? Because if not, this time machine really, yeah. really sucks. If you've got the technology, you better be able to Listen, use it to go somewhere. Our only favorite reference is the DeLorean with Michael J. Fox. And that was always the same location. Yeah, but to the point, the, the movie Time Machine, that actually had the person stay, and then they just went back in time. Here's so, yeah. what I'll allow. Uh, you can time travel, and you can change position but your relative position to the center of the earth doesn't change. So it's kind of like when you were a kid and you spun the globe and put your finger down. Got it. So depending on where the earth has rotated oh, no. at the exact moment yeah, you're time you can traveling be in the ocean. To. Yeah, I, okay, right. tele, teleporter. <laughs> I like it. I like it. No whammies. Let's do it. <laughs> Big bucks, no whammies. Oh, man. Sorry, the website I grabbed these from five minutes ago did not specify what the exact capabilities or specifications were. I think they were counting on 10-year-olds playing this game. (laughs) They probably were. Yeah, but hey, Josh, remember when we played with my kids and they got like crazy into the details about this? I don't think 10-year-olds would do it any differently. So... (laughs) Um, all right, next question. Would you rather live in a country with a low cost of living but horrible weather, also known as Scotland, uh, or live in a country with a high cost of living and amazing weather? Mm. Just kidding. I think Scotland actually has a high cost of living and terrible weather. 
What are my options? Low cost, horrible weather. Low cost, horrible weather. Okay, so the, oh, it's all bad. Uh, oh no, the low cost. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. you don't have to pay yep. as much. Yep. Your money goes further. Or a high cost of living and amazing weather. But do I have the money if I live in the high cost one? So it doesn't matter. Well, your money goes further in the. Okay. I like rain and thunderstorms and dreariness, so I'd go with uh, saving a few bucks. All right. Steve is willing to live in Bismarck, North Dakota. <laughs> where does Michigan was, fit like, more in the grand scheme of things? For real though, where does Michigan like fit in the grand scheme of things? Are we is that towards the middle? Weather, yeah, or cost of living? Both. Like I think cost of living is fine, and weather for ten and a half months is horrible. Terrible. Yes. Just kidding. We get we have five good months here, right? Summer, fall. But you can go skiing in all of our wonderful mountains. That's true. That's true. All right. Anybody else care to weigh in on this? I appreciate the beauty and am willing to spend the money for it. Okay. So high cost of living and amazing weather. Yeah. Great. We should probably just move on unless you guys have anything profound to offer. I don't. All right. Great. Next question. Would you rather... <laughs> this one's good. Would you rather have five half-size clones of yourself or one full-size clone of yourself? Yeah, <laughs> five? Five half-size clones. Yeah. Oh, my god! But they're only half-size, so if you oh, ask them okay. to change a light bulb, you're going to be out of luck. <laughs> yeah, but there's so five minions? of them. They're like, oh, yeah, minions. Yeah. Five minions. Five minions. Yeah, it's, it's easy. Yeah. Five half-size clones. Yeah. Okay. Anybody else? <laughs> so Josh's half size clone <laughs> so short. <laughs> there it is, everybody. There it is. Sorry. Someone was gonna make that joke. We yeah, were all waiting sorry, for it. Uh, my mind goes to if there's five half size, that means I end up with two and a half. It's a better deal. Two and a half of myself Easy. instead of two. There doesn't need to be any more of me, so I'll just go for with one full-size clone good the website did not specify how much they eat or if you have to provide shelter and living quarters for them so they're gonna provide for me they're like, huh they're gonna provide for me they're gonna provide for you yeah you just task one of the five on <laughs> going out and foraging for food and you're good to yeah, go or getting a job <laughs> anyway we'll move on half job josh steve I'd probably go one. I don't even half size. I'm not sure the world needs five more of me. <laughs> However, I think the cloning thing would go wrong with me. And like my clone have like a lazy eye and a missing <laughs> ear and not be able to talk right. And there's a lot that could go wrong. <laughs> if my wife was here, she would say the world doesn't need another Josh Toby. So neither of these options is what she'd probably say. So I can hear her saying that. Yeah. <laughs> I would choose the five. The five? Because then I could stack them. And then maybe we'd be taller than five six. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right. Next question. Second to last question. Uh, would you rather have to shave your head or have your nose pierced? Shave my head. Yeah, I've shaved my head multiple times. It's not a big deal. I'll go that. <laughs> yeah, shave my head. Uh, uh, I don't need to. Oh, Danny, you have to weigh in. Danny That's just a, wants yeah. to shave the top and keep the sides. <laughs> yeah. I was legitimately considering getting a nose ring before I started at Redemption, so I would say get a nose ring. 
Okay. So, what kind of nose ring do would you with go that? With? What you will. hoop or stud? <laughs> uh, a hoop. Hoop. Yeah. Wow. Like a gold one would be cool. Is stud even an option for dudes? To be a stud? No, to get a nose ring stud. I don't know. Okay. It is? Okay. I'm asking out of ignorance. That's it. I feel like you're asking because you're doing some research <laughs> about what might be in your future. That's, this was all just a cover for me trying to make you personal choices. You were waiting choices. for question six. Yep. Get to the nose ring. There we go. And last one. Would you rather be trapped in a romantic comedy with your enemies or trapped in a horror movie with your friends? Quite possibly my favorite one. Uh, I'm going to go with the romantic one. <laughs> and I don't know why. Yeah. But I've seen the preview recently of the movie Smile, and it really, really scares me. So I'm going to opt out of every horror movie imaginable. The previously cited movie, Smile, is not endorsed by Redemption Church or its leadership. It has not been checked for inappropriate or offensive content and should be engaged with at the consumer's own risk. All right. Anybody else? Romantic comedy with your enemies or horror movie with your friends? I'd go rom-com with my enemies because they always end well. Where <laughs> In a horror movie, they would all be dead at the end except for me. Yeah. Probably actually including me. Based on Justin's movie, you'd be the one with the smile on your face at the end. Yeah. Yes. All right. I would choose horror movie with my friends. Let's go down swinging. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Would you be the sole survivor at the end of it? All I know is whatever hits me or stabs me, whatever happens in the horror movie, better make it count. Fair enough. Very good. Charles, dude, I I think I would go with the uh, romantic comedy because like the horror movie, I'm thinking I would be in a creature feature and I don't want to be eaten alive. I just know that. Okay, I don't want to be eaten. And I don't want to see my friends eaten. Charles some... has to pick the romantic movie because he can't even eat spicy Thai food. With amen. Any kind of spice. Amen. I've got I've got no guts. <laughs> I'm so scared. Have you answered, Steve? I haven't. I'm a little I'm a little torn, but I guess I guess rom com. I like. The idea of falling in love more than getting a hatchet to my sternum. <laughs> that one sounds more appealing. You do bring up a good point. No pun intended. <laughs> but what if you got bit by a werewolf and turned into a werewolf in this? Then I movie? was. That'd be awesome. Oh, okay. Maybe. Yeah, I guess it doesn't specify that you're the victim in the horror movie. You could be the aggressor, maybe. I feel like the aggressor always dies, but then there's a return because there's a sequel. Yep. So maybe that's a good choice. Depending on what series you're in, it could be 30 years of sequels. It's true. So, all right. Well, awesome. Thank you guys for playing Would You Rather. Yes. <laughs> Happy birthday, podcast. Well, as we dive into the next segment, we're going to talk a little bit more about Genesis, a book we are now going through a sermon series on. And uh, rather than diving in maybe immediately to the, the nitty gritty and the details and the Hebrew and all that, uh, I just want to ask, Josh, as you've been preparing for this, what's the part of Genesis and preaching through Genesis that feels the most daunting? Uh, I don't necessarily want to say frightening, 
the place where you're like, oh my gosh, I, I don't know how this is going to work out. Yeah, I think, I think we're working through that now. I think the chapter one and aspects of two are probably the, some of the most debated sections of scripture, um, at least in our world, I would say, right? And so I think making sure that we work through Genesis one in a biblical manner to try to be faithful to the text and, and there's some verses that I think are, are hard. I think verse two of chapter one is sometimes a difficult verse to wrap our minds around necessarily. And so, and there's lots of viewpoints on it. Then of course you have all the different views on creation and um, how old the earth is and all, all that stuff comes into play with the questions that people have. And so just, just handling it in a way that is helpful to understand what people were hearing that were receiving this letter, but also I would say that's applicational to my life today because we can just make statements and that does that's great and all, but how does that encourage me or challenge me today? And so I think that's one of the challenges to do is just connecting it to our everyday life um, when we think about clarity in the chaos. Okay. You mentioned specifically verse two. Can you read verse two and... Yeah, so verse one, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And verse two is the earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Okay, and you mentioned there is a fair amount of controversy around that verse. There's just a lot of questions, I would say, that pe that people have. And I got it even a lot from our own people. Yeah? Yeah, actually related to verse two. Um, but yeah, but then I think you have the whole created order too, which is wild, you know what I mean? And when you look at all the patterns we mentioned this week, I think there's incredible intentionality behind behind all of it, which uh, studying it actually gave me even more confidence than I already had. And I was already confident that our God created by speaking it into existence. But um, yeah, so there's a lot going on in, in the book. And we've looked through days one through 6B. 6B, <laughs> awesome. Um, would you mind maybe highlighting some of the things that we've uh, covered already? Yeah, so we spent the first week just looking at the first verse really, focusing on the first phrase of in the beginning God and just what are those four words set in place as a biblical worldview. And we think about all the different worldviews that exist in our world, which is, you know, everyone's entitled to their own opinion. There's no such thing as absolute truth, like all these things that we face. Yet everything in the Bible and life, I would say comes back to that first phrase in the beginning God. And so we talked about what that means, that that God is the subject, subject, that God is actually first in everything and in all things. And and we see him bring um, clarity in the chaos through the rest of the created order. And this past week, we just mentioned uh, so many different patterns that we see present, patterns of threes and sevens and tens. But the pattern that we focused on most was the pattern that God speaks, creation listens, and it was good. And that's what we see in the word. But what we see in the world is that God speaks, creation ignores, and it's bad. And we're going to see that that tension of those two things unfold as the book as, as the book unfolds. Specifically, when we get to Genesis chapter three, we'll start to see three, and then in four, and then we have the flood and sit like it just it just goes bad quickly. And so I just think it's those are some of the things that we've hit on over the last couple of weeks. I have a sneaking suspicion that the topic in week one being about uh, biblical worldview versus whatever other worldview, I have a sneaking suspicion that's going to become a common theme throughout the whole thing. Because even when you start getting into the, the narrative, the stories, I think of like we end each of our messages with a gospel, uh, the gospel takeaway. Ultimately, those takeaways, you know, are coming down to a response. You know what I mean? Sometimes they're just reciting a truth about who the Lord is. But ultimately, what the application of that is, what am I going to embrace? 
And am I going to embrace my own way of thinking, my own uh, next steps, my own desire to follow whatever, or am I going to embrace whatever the, the model is um, that's God's model? And I just think it's going to kind of keep coming up. And when you were preaching that, I think you used the phrase like, whenever we do something outside of God's framework uh, or listen to another voice other than the Lord, um, that's when the chaos is going to start. And there's just never, ever any confusion. We might not like what God says. We might, it might be difficult. It might be really hard at times to trust him, but he's always clear and he never changes. And, and I, I honestly think that what people crave a lot in their day-to-day life is that peace, is that foundation. They're trying to find it in all these other places and all these other different worldviews, but that only brings chaos and confusion the Lord in his word and his character is the only thing that brings true clarity. I think it's going to keep on coming up. I was reminded, I think it was last week, maybe it was even Sunday. Um, when I go through my app, like on CNN and I'm scanning through the news, I can't, it's like, it feels like it's every month or two. There's some article about scientists discover something that changes what we understood from history. It's like, we, we tend to be as humanity so arrogant in our own understanding. And because of that, we constantly have to change our foundation because we've discovered something new. We never have to change that with the Lord. He's always clear. Um, And so I I really love what this series is about so far. I love what I think are going to be some of the takeaways as we head into the whole series as a whole, that, um, that clarity versus chaos theme. And as we get going, like the, the book's a, a disaster and God's faithfulness is so clear, but like, we'll get to Abraham next semester and, um, then the, you know, you have Jacob and eventually get to Joseph, which is a beautiful story, but it's like, everything is so messy. Um, the, the relationships, the family dynamics, like it's just crazy what happens in this book. Right. And that's why it covers almost 2000 years of history. Like there's a lot of time covered. Um, but I'm looking forward to kind of diving into some of that because I think there's a lot to take away. Uh, out of this book. A lot to take away. And I think it would be easy to read some of those stories and be like, oh, that's a craziness that existed then. But it's so raw. It's so messy. It's so full of depravity. That's us. That's still us today. It's still raw. It's still messy. It's still our world, probably even more so. Um, So yeah, I'm looking forward to the fact that this isn't just a story of old, um, but it's still going on and with plenty to apply. I think there's also things that are fun. Like, you know, there's so many different, with all the different days, there's different opinions on different things on what happened when, or did this happen or did this not happen, right? And, and we just kind of had the statement on, on Sunday that, we, that Justin, Matt, and I talked about of just like, hey, the designer's given us his word. He's given us what he wants us to know. So there is speculation, right? There is some theological educated guesses on certain things that take place. Uh, in the created order that that I think can be fun to talk about, but don't need to divide, if that makes sense. And we see, I think, a lot of division over Genesis 1, um, whether it's 24-hour day, uh, six days of creation, or whether it's you know millions of years or um, evolution can come in that. We talked about that a little bit Sunday. Like, There's just so many things that come to the table um, in this in this chapter. I have a question about that if there's time for it. But oh, JP, yeah. did you have anything different to say or chime in on? No, uh, kind of more of an observation slash question. And uh, it feels like as you wade into Genesis 1, there is all kinds of controversy about all kinds of things. Um, 
in our, our culture, uh, even within the Christian sphere of things. Uh, and I think my, my question uh, is essentially just, is, is there so much controversy because this is fundamental? And what you do with Genesis 1 determines what you do with everything else. And we, uh, somebody you know, quoted, uh, who was it, Tozer, who said, your view on God is the most important thing because what you think when you think about God determines how you think about everything else. Is it almost the same thing for Genesis 1? And that's why there are such fierce battles going on, both within Christian circles, but even outside of Christian circles. Isn't it interesting when you think about just our... Well, we have the title of this being Clarity in the Chaos. So what we've been doing is starting from the clarity to then bring into the chaos to get clarity in the chaos. But when we come from the chaos side to try to come to what we see as clear in the scriptures, we're trying to get the scriptures to say often what we want them to say to formulate the chaos that we have in our life, if that makes sense what I'm saying, versus doing it the way that the scriptures do. It's like if you read it from the beginning, you're going to see the clarity in which God created, yeah. you know, and that speaks hope into our chaos, you know. Right. Justin, what do you think? Well, I think as you guys are, are talking two words that came to my mind are, are found foundational and relevant. And so certainly Genesis, you're starting from the beginning with, with a foundation, with a clear biblical worldview that, that God was first, you know, something that was emphasized in, in week one. Even something that I, I wrestled with early on, well, let me speak to the relevancy where, where the relevancy is chaos is a relevant word to us today. And so just even in that word, we can look around ourselves, look around in our own sphere of influences, in our own hearts. We probably should start there, uh, but then look around our, our world. And we know chaos is actually a relevant world, we're a relevant word. It's a word that I actually struggled with when we started talking about Genesis a little bit, because wait, so you're telling me a God of order created chaos. Now, I think as we look at the world around us and specific to even the original languages and what these first verses are saying, they would define chaos a little differently. And, and we would look around chaos uh, around our world and see the craziness. Um, and really, I, I love where we landed in, in defining chaos, where it's anything void of God. And, and really, he created a, a chaos. Um, he created this, this void to fill. Uh, to fill with his good creation because he then transcends his creation to ultimately fill and, and with himself um, as he comes and walks on this earth, even through salvation, as he uh, fills his children in, and fills his believers um, with his spirit. And so those are the foundation and, and relevancy is where my mind goes. And, and so we're going to be able to walk through some difficult things and hard things. I think even in my own theology for the longest time when it came to Genesis and Revelation, I didn't, I didn't really care about a too strong of a stance um, on some of the, the nuances um, and some of the timelines of things. Um, what stood out to me and really what I tried to hold on to is what is this saying about God, which I think is where we are at foundationally walking through Genesis. What is this telling us about God? Um, and, and so at the same time, having a stance and, and being accurate as we can and, and having stances that, that we believe uh, are accurately portrayed in the Bible is good and, and right and, and things to have conversations for. But, but in the end, what is this saying about God? And we're, we're seeing that God is, we're seeing that God speaks, God creates. Um, and ultimately here soon, we're gonna see that God is a personal God as, as he creates man. Um, and so excited about where we're going as well. Great. Uh, Steve, you were saying you had a question or something to talk about? 
Well, I feel like, you know, I, I agree with what Justin just said. There are some general, there, what matters, I guess, most is some general themes. Is, is Who's creating, he's speaking, uh, creation responds. But what's always been important for me, and I want to lead with the fact that I'm, I'm not a scientist, I'm not stud, you know, studying in this area, but it's been important to me for years to be, I land in the camp of being a literal creationist. Um, I find it difficult to... Um, to view these things as um, as anything other than the amaz- the amazing thing that they were um, like God did God really do this in this period of time or was it this longer period of time that was millions and millions of years um, so I've kind of always laid in the camp of being a, a literal creationist um, and one of my questions was um, was about the 24, you know, the, the, the days in which God created. Didn't we hear, I feel like it was taught to us at one point, um, Josh, I'm talking to, just so our listeners know who I'm talking to, um, that when in the, in the original Hebrew, when a number was attached to the word day, when it preceded it, that that actually did mean a 24-hour period. And the example given is that we could say, Michael Jordan was great in his day. That's a period of time. But if I say, on the third day that Jordan was with the Bulls, he did this great thing. That's a specific 24-hour period day. Is that true in your study? Was Is that true that the, if there's a number preceding the word day that it actually represented a 24-hour period? And so did, is it safe to land in a place that God created those aspects of creation in a 24-hour period day? I'm a literal creationist as well. I believe that God created in six 24-hour days. And I said that I said that Sunday, the word used for day is the word yam, and it's often used as a 24-hour period in the scriptures. And that's one of the arguments that we would make is that it does reference 24-hour periods, but there are other examples of that word being used where it's, where it's referencing a period of time. And so I didn't see any anything tied to the day number specifically equaled that 24-hour period, although that makes total sense to me because I believe it is by faith that it is a 24-hour periods uh, of time. But there's other examples in scripture of that day, of that word being used. And it's that people who are not literal creationists would argue, or maybe not 24 hour, six day, 24 hour creationists would argue uh, that is actually referencing a period of time. And then we don't know how much that time is. Right. I didn't so, know if you were so, studying what, you know, yes, that, that word for day is used different points in time, but did it matter when a number preceded it? I did didn't see that, anything tied to the number, but, but yeah, that, I think it that's does. That's the general consensus when that Hebrew, yam, I think it is for, for day, when, when it's seen in the Old Testament with other numbers, it's generally speaking been referenced to a 24 hour day. And so that was just my, just my viewpoint. Like I do land in that place of being a little creationist. That also what you just said, Justin, was my understanding as well. I'll, I'll Again, fully disclosing, I'm not a, I'm, I haven't done an in-depth study on this, but to me, it's just all, when I talk to someone who isn't a little creationist, obviously we have fellowship, we're brothers, sisters in Christ, but there's always something in my heart that kind of lands in this place of, if he didn't do it that way, aren't we selling God short of the miracle that it would take to actually do that? To create. To create in a day. Like, isn't he really the only one who could have done that. I mean, obviously he's the only one who can create. I know that, but it seems to be robbing something from the grandeur and the majesty and the glory of God to say, Oh no, there's no way he could have done that in that short amount of time. You know, I watch a a tsunami hit, hit Japan a few years ago. One single wave destroys the city. 
One single wave can destroy mountains and carve its way through. And I always say to my kids, how is this that hard that God would create things that would literally put the earth and the mountains and trees into chaos to form different things? A one wave does it in an afternoon in some of these crisis events. Him doing it as Almighty God actually doesn't seem that far-fetched. I would fully agree with that. And I think we got to be careful because to say, for us to define what God and cannot do is putting God in a box. And I just think that's a dangerous place to be. You know, I also mentioned one reason I believe that these are 24-hour periods is the pattern that is set up with evening and morning, right? So we know that those days have evenings and mornings too. So there, there's, I did mention that, mention that Sunday as well. And so, and I think how we live our week now and how those days are set, I think that pattern still exists today. And so I think there's all, all sorts of things that speak to it. And maybe where there is a long period of time is what in verse two, when it's not defined that that could be a, a period of however long. Yeah. I think like the first, you know, the one argument that I'm, one question I could ask myself about the view, which I mentioned Sunday was just when God says that there be light with the light and the sun not being created till day four, how do we know those first three days were literal days when we sure. use the sun to tell time? Sure, sure. But again, I accept all that by faith. I'm not going to have an answer to every question because again, I go back to the fact that God gave us what he wanted us to know. And equally didn't give us what he didn't want us to know. And there, there's, there's probably something pastoral in God's heart that I'm going to leave some things. I'm going to keep things close to the chest so that you're, you don't have all the answers. Yeah. You're, you're left to long for and search for me. That's right. And you think about it, which I mentioned too, it's, you know, in my Bible, it's like two pages of the whole Bible, Genesis one and two, you, you know what I mean? It's like, and there's, you know, sections of the, this is what I did on day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, but that's, that's just like a 30,000 foot view of, yeah. of what was happening. So it, it's, it's, good. Do you want anything to add, Justin? No, I mean, you guys have both talked about, you know, where, where you land and, you know, as, as a church, that's where we land. And, and really, honestly, it's where, where I land as well. But with the fact that we can ask questions uh, to, to your point, like the sun wasn't, wasn't made. So what, what did those first three days look like? And really, if anybody, if there has to be a gap somewhere, you know, people can argue about a gap, about a period of time, you, you know, you would have to come before the creation of Adam because we have Adam's defined years of life. And so you can actually trace back through the genealogies of scripture and have a accurate timeline to, to the day Adam was born. To, but then you can wrestle with the fact that Genesis 1 and 2 there's poetry there. You see those patterns. It's not necessarily chronological, some could argue. Um, but at the same time, if you go back to what we have referenced as well, Moses is writing. Moses is writing to a context of Israel. And what would his understanding of a day be? What would his understanding of this creation be? And so, you know, as, you know, one and two, even viewing them as poetry but narrative as well. And chapters one and two almost kind of being a literary couplet where you need to read them together. together. There's aspects of just things that we, we don't need to know, but I think there's good questions to ask. Even, even when we talk about the rhythm of evening and morning, how we would understand evening and morning, those two time periods, if it's evening, then morning, it actually spans across two days. 
you know, because for us in our rhythm, you know, it's it's morning then evening. That's that's the twenty four hour period, and so there's aspects of this that's poetry and communication. But honestly, where I've always landed, why would it take God longer to create? God speaks, and creation and listens, listens yeah. and it's good. And I think from an evolution standpoint, not a scientist, but there's aspects to what we see in creation and wait, how did that develop? How did that get to that point? How did that get so, you know, you unique, but I think to Steve's point, we, we lessen God, his power, his ability to just say it. And it's in its perfect state the exact way that he wants it. And so, but I, I love asking the questions. I think that, that those actually help us grow deeper with what, with what God has for us in his word. Not that it matters. I would consider myself a creation agnostic, which is probably totally the wrong term to use. Um, where I'll, I'll, yeah, 100% agree God created uh, in terms of time frame. I kind of shrug my shoulders. Uh, I do wonder, uh, which maybe is uh, uh, a little bit ignorant of me, how much it matters. Um, and one way to get around, you know, Steve, uh, kind of your point about when you use the number reference to days, doesn't that mean 24-hour days? Uh, someone once uh, presented the case that it is actually 24 hours days, but rather than it being on in one literal 24 hour day, God created, uh, you know, each thing that we see in Genesis one, they simply asked, well, what if this was Moses up on the mountain mountain? And on the first day, Moses was up on the mountain. God showed him the creation of, uh, what is it? Light, right? On day one. And the second day that Moses was up on the mountain, God showed him the creation of the waters and the separation of the waters. Uh, and so they put it into 24-hour days still, but it was in reference to Moses being on the mountain because nobody was around for the first for, for the creation of the world. So somebody had to show or tell Moses, uh, which was likely God up on the mountain. So all that to say, I'm not saying like definitively that's where I come down. I find that interesting and kind of compelling to think about, but... I don't know. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, like we were talking about how there is mystery in the text and God gives us what he wants to give us, give us and he doesn't give us what he doesn't want to give us. Well, there's going to be people in heaven that have different views. You know, even like Tim Keller doesn't, doesn't believe uh, that this is six 24-hour day periods. You know, there's a lot of people out there like theologians that have, that do have different views that I think do love Jesus. Um, but I, I do think it's important but I do think it's an it can be considered an open hand issue, not a closed hand issue necessarily. Yeah, um, because it's not a salvation thing. Right. At what point? At what point do things not become open handed? Is that in chapter three? Yeah. Well, I think definitely with everyone has to believe in the original sin. I think that's a big deal. You know, um, with Adam and Eve choosing sin, choosing not to listen, ignore, and do what they want to do, and the result is sin. And I think that's. That's why Jesus came, right? So I think for sure that, but some people don't believe that Adam and Eve are even real. They, you know what I mean? It's, it's allegory or whatever, you know? So it's- Well, that's kind of what I'm saying. Yeah. To not take a literal approach, isn't that a slippery slope where then you get to decide what, what God, when, when God can be taken at his word and when he can't? 
I think it can lead us down a road that can certainly be unhealthy. Sure. Yeah. It's tough. But again, there's, there's a lot of people that are just smarter than us that have these views, you know, but that's why I said for me and for our church, we accept these things by faith, you know, and I just mentioned the Hebrews 11, three texts that by faith, we believe the universe is created by God, you know, and so he can do whatever he wants to do and do it however he wanted to do it. And then who am I to tell him no, you know? Um, so I just, I, th I think that's, that's interesting, but you know, I, it's, you could probably spend do a message on every single day, oh, yeah. you know, because we just looked at one day, like we highlighted the light, which I think is incredibly important in verse three, because light and life are so connected. If there was no light, there really wouldn't be, there wouldn't be too much life going on. Right. And so, but like day two is a fascinating day to me. He divides the waters and the sea from the, from the sky, the atmosphere, you know, but it's not described as good, you know? And so that's a unique thing, but we, yeah, we look at the waters, the rest of Genesis and waters is used as a picture of judgment. Right, he uses those waters to destroy, to bring judgment on the earth, and so it's just it's just interesting when you start looking at all the nuances of what could be happening in some of those days too. One of the things I brought up was the evening and then the morning, <clears throat> and how hey that could be a legitimate question about a twenty-four hour period. How is it understood because you know that spans across two days, even in our even in our context. But one of the things that I loved coming across, as far as the aspect of evening and morning, and not not to steal maybe where you're headed this week was how the Israelites, as Moses would writing, they would have uh, understood that because that's their Sabbath. And so Sabbath beginning in the evening, extending to the morning from, from sun down um, to sundown over the course of a 24 hour period of time. And it was just remind them of what God has given them and that's rest. And I think even through this, what God has given us, I, I just hope and, and where I believe we can land is, is just resting in his sovereignty, resting in his um, ability to create. And even I think it's been said, he was able to do it the way he wanted to do it. And that's exactly what he did. And I think because he, what he has given us, we, we can, we can rest in it, even in the questions that we wrestle with. Um, but more specifically in the truth that we find is that in the beginning, God. And, and, and so it's, it begins with a trust in him. I think those are interesting things though. Like we'll talk about it this week a little bit, but it's not morning and evening. It's evening and then morning. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, that's an interesting thing. And it could be one view also would be there that God finished his work. Then the rest started right in the evening and then there's morning. But what's also unique about day seven, there is no evening and morning listed in day seven, which gives us the picture we'll talk about briefly this week that God's in an eternal state of rest. And that's what we're going to be invited into is an eternal state of rest with him. And so it's the only day that doesn't have the evening and morning listed. So Beautiful. Well, I, I think that's about all the time we have for today. Uh, we want to thank you for joining us here on The Post. If you haven't already, we'd encourage you to click follow, subscribe, or like on your podcasting app to make sure you get notified when we release an episode. And if you have any questions or comments, we'd love to hear those. Just connect with us via email, info at redemptionmi.org, or you can send us a message <laughs> on social media at Redemption MI on Facebook or Redemption Church MI on Instagram. Until next time, have a great week. <laughs>